It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Horses raised, heads bowed down. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Today, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hello. And we're also privileged to have Ishmael Jose, better known as Mel, to the to the clients and staff at Connors and Sullivan. Hello, everyone. Hooray for Mel. Hooray. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> now, this show, you know, the first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate. And as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. The second part of the show, we talk about politics, history, religion, sometimes sports. Tonight, we're going to do something different that we've never done before. We're going to be talking a little bit about boxing. Mel, you used to be a boxer, right? I did try. I did try. I never made it. Okay. <laughs> well, well, we're going to be talking to Jerry Cooney, who fought for the heavyweight championship wow. of the world, who you know happens to be descended from, uh, just like me, from Newfies. <laughs> and, you know, he might be going with us to the uh, Connors family reunion up in Newfoundland in, in 2020. I was, I was supposed to ask Mrs. Connors if she should start shopping for a thick jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, because, when, Mel, you, when, ha- you have to go up there and look after our, our real estate interests up in Newfoundland. Exactly. And if we're going up there with, you know, the big guy and we have you for our legal interests, you know, maybe we'll get some of that Connor's land back, Mike. <laughs> maybe we'll see. That's the but plan. in any event, Mel, do you have a question, a state planning question to ask? We have an interesting question from our listener, Jeff. Um, and I think this question underscores the importance of speaking to a lawyer who you, whom you trust and who knows his way around estate planning. And the question is, is it immoral to disinherit a child or a life partner? Well, that's a question. You know, like it's hard... I would say, no, it's not immoral, assuming you have your reasons. Yeah, I think there could be, you know, immoral points on this. You know, is somebody disinheriting their spouse of 40 years to give it to a girlfriend or something like that? That might be immoral. But, you know, for the most part, whatever you choose to do in estate planning, the question is up to you. And certainly to disinherit a child, do you have a reason for disinheriting a child? And that's that's the question. You know, in, in the United States... Basically, you can do anything with your will you want to do. There's no restriction on what you do with your will. Now, yeah, we do have to prepare for a possible lawsuit that somebody may contest the will in court. But in the United States, technically, you can do whatever you want to do in a will. You can leave it to to, to the to the dog if you want to, which obviously has happened in more than a few cases. Let me ask you something, Mel. You're admitted in the Philippines, right? Right. What What's the law in the Philippines as far as that's concerned? The Philippines follow the Spanish civil code in terms of um, um, inheritance, and we have the concept called legitimes. So the law provides specific grounds for disinheriting a loved one. Um, example, crimes committed against the decedent, you know, failure to provide support and stuff like that. So you have to be very exact in, in your language before you're able to disinherit you know, um, a child or a loved one. And, uh, you know, in the United States, it's different, of course, as mentioned by Mr. Connors. Um, you pretty much, you know, have ownership of your property, and you can pretty much decide who gets what, you know, even your pet, um, you know, at the end of the day. All right, let me ask you something. Now, I know there are a lot of weird rules about owning real estate in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. If you're not a citizen, can you own real estate in, in the Philippines, not a Filipino well, citizen? Generally, no. Generally, no. Um, but there are exceptions. The, the, the Philippine Constitution is kind of, you know, um, protective of the rights of natural-born citizens to own real properties there. Obviously, if you are a former, you know, if, if you've inherited property by, you know, intestate succession, we call it there, then you can own that property. And there's some other exceptions out there. But generally, no, um, non-Filipino nationals cannot own real property. And there's there's other ways, you know, to be able to do, you know, indirectly stuff like that. I think a lot 
of people would like that to happen in the United States. Beth, <laughs> let's change it. We have a, an email question from Gary. Can you read the question, please? Yes, I can. Mike, I enjoy your Saturday morning radio broadcast. You have interesting authors and speakers, and I learn a lot about history and how current problems aren't always that different than what early Americans had to contend with. I've also used your legal services on Staten Island. And he says, I have a legal question. If you have a single child and you wish to leave a portion of your estate, the real estate property and mutual fund investments, to your only child and another portion to charity, would establishing a trust be appropriate or is a will all that is needed? And then there's a second one. If a will, how much additional expense and headache would going through probate be? And then last, is there any other suggestion you think should be considered? And this is Gary. Well, the first thing, obviously, we should do a will. How expensive is probate going to be? A lot depends if the only child is going to consent to the will or not. If the only child is going to consent to the will, hopefully probate is not going to cost that much. The other thing is we using a trust for, for other reasons, maybe to save on taxes or possibly just avoiding probate filing fees and to protect assets from nursing home bills. So that's the question whether you want to do a trust. The will is the first step. If you have real estate, which you say you do, then I would definitely think about a trust because it makes it a lot easier for your child to get the asset. No matter what, it costs a lot less to do a trust than it does to go through probate. Charity, you know, depending on where your state is, we might be able to use a charitable deduction to reduce the estate taxes. And the, the question I would have to some extent, is that single child going to be your executive trustee and is going to be in charge and you trust that child to get the money to charity or do you need somebody else? And, and those are some of the questions we talk about. Ordinarily, if you own real estate, I always like to do a trust because it's always easier. There's always some protection for medical bills. And why do you want your son or the charity to have to go through court? Why do we want anybody to have to go through court. Now, if you're 50 years old and you think you're going to move all your assets in the next couple of years and move to Florida, maybe we're not as worried about probate. But that's one of the things we want to talk about. And Gary, you're more than welcome to come back to our office and and talk things over because ahead of time, there's no one right answer for everybody. But as a general rule, if you own real estate, I like the real estate to be in a trust. I don't want it to go through probate. And I want to offer measures of protection against medical bills, nursing home bills. And so if you want to see us at Connors and Sullivan? Give us a call at 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. And remember, we're going to have seminars at the end of uh, July in Brooklyn, beginning of August in Brooklyn, in Sheepshead Bay, Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, downtown Brooklyn. So if you want to attend one of those seminars, we'll have the, the times at the end. And give us a call to register for one of those seminars. In the meanwhile, you're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hey. And Mel. Hey, everyone. For our Ask the Lawyer friends and listeners, you can attend any of Connors & Sullivan's free seminars on elder law, Medicaid, wills, and estate planning, and more. Yes, it's all free and all close to you. So come to Connors & Sullivan's free seminars. On Tuesday, July 30th at the Greenhouse Cafe, 7717 3rd Avenue in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m. On Wednesday, July 31st at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. at the New York Marriott at the Brooklyn Bridge, 333 Adams Street. Downtown Brooklyn, and on Thursday, August 1st at Buckley's, 2926 Avenue S in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn, at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m. Can't go to any Connors and Sullivan's free seminars? Then call Connors and Sullivan at 718 238 6500 for your own free office appointment. Make an educated decision on your estate and family legal solutions today. Just call Connors and Sullivan at 718 238 6500. That's Connors and Sullivan, 718-238-6500, or go to connorsandsullivan.com. That's connorsandsullivan.com. Find out what you're entitled to. Come to a Connors and Sullivan free seminar. For more information, call 718-238-6500, or go to connorsandsullivan.com. Connors and Sullivan, plan now for later. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a, a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. 
No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home, but if you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hey, everybody. And Attorney Mel. Hi, everyone. Mel, we're going to have two guests tonight on. One, we're going to have Brett Bozell. Uh, He wrote a book about the media campaign against Trump. But then we're going to have on Jerry Cooney, boxer who fought for the heavyweight championship of the world. Jerry Cooney is going to be at uh, bookends in what is it, Ridgewood, New Jersey, on August 11th at 1 o'clock. So if anybody's interested in, in meeting Jerry Cooney, he's going to be there with his book, autographing copies of his book, on August 11th. Mel, you want to come with me there? I will be there. I'm excited to see the guy. Um, he's, he fought some really big names, you know, in history. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be an honor for me to be there, actually. Okay, do you follow boxing at all now? I have, I have. Um, heavily, though. Back in college and law school days, I had friends who really are heavy into boxing. Um, you know... Fought here and there, but never really made it. Um, it's it's a different game. It's a different game. Um, it shows books rather than the boxing ring, ultimately, and became a lawyer. Well, if you're going to hear for Jerry Cooney, he did very well financially out of boxing, was able to keep his money. Wow. So, and yeah. that's interesting. That's an exception. Yeah, yeah, he's true. an exception, but yeah. uh, I guess he had the right people with him, and he— right. He knew what he you know what he was going to do. Now, getting back to estate planning, each week Kevin McCullough takes email questions and he has his listeners ask us an email question. We try to answer it each week on the Kevin McCullough Show. So take it away, Kevin. Every Thursday on Kevin McCullough Radio, we promise you you're going to get a question answered from Mike Connors of Connors and Sullivan, the New York tri-state area's premier authority and expert on estate care and elder law. And, uh, Mike, this week's question comes from Melanie. She says, I'm considering uh, creating a trust, but what should I look for in my trustees and what are their duties while I'm living and then after I'm gone? Mike. Okay, well, it's a good question. The first part, what are you looking for? You're looking for somebody that's honest and reliable. And by the way, somebody who's a U.S. citizen, because as a trustee, ordinarily you have to be a U.S. citizen to act as a trustee. So somebody's honest, reliable, U.S. citizen over the age of 18, not convicted of a crime. Uh, the second part, what are they going to do? Well, a lot depends whether the trust is revocable or irrevocable. If it's revocable, the trustee's duties only come into effect after you're gone or you're mentally incompetent. If it's irrevocable, you know, they're acting today, the day after you sign the trust. And basically, their duties are to protect your interests. You know, in the trust agreement, they're signing an agreement that they're going to, they own a fiduciary duty to you to protect your assets, protect your interests, and work in your best interest. And that's who you're looking for. Somebody who's going to be reliable and honest and carry out those duties. Uh, pretty good uh, answer. It's uh, uh, maybe something you've struggled with. Maybe you need an answer to your question. Uh, Mike's team is standing by, ready to help you. 718-238-6500. They've helped us in the McCullough household. Uh, I know that they're uh, going to be eager to help you figure out uh, the best solution, whether it's a will or estate care, elder law. You've got the experts on your side when you're talking to Connors and Sullivan. Uh, 718-238-6500. Call the office, 718-238-6500. Also get a schedule of their free seminars. You hear them being advertised. They're holding them all the time across the uh, tri-state area. And you can also uh, email your questions to Mike Connors, askmikeconnors at gmail.com. He might answer them right here on Kevin McCullough Radio, or he might answer them on his own show. Uh, Saturday mornings at 8 on AM 570, The Mission, and Sunday mornings at 11 on AM 970, The Answer. Mike Connors, thanks so much. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks again, Kevin. And you can listen to Kevin McCullough each Monday through Friday at 3 o'clock on WMCA 570, and at 5 o'clock on 970 The Answer. Now, he does a show with uh, John Katzmatidis each Wednesday. I don't know, is are they going to keep doing that show now that John Katzmatidis is the owner of WABC? I guess we'll have to see. It's an interesting question. Well, I heard on the um, Joe Piscopo show that he was going to keep 
keep his um, shows on 970 for now. Um, he even was talking about maybe simulcasting with ABC. He's a good guy, and, you know, he's just, he's just loving the radio. And even though he bought WABC, um, he really does like the people at Salem, and he really has enjoyed 970. We'll see what happens. Next, we're going to be talking to Brent Bozell about his book, Unmasked, Big Media's War Against Trump. Beth, remember we spoke, uh, or we had dinner one night with Brent Bozell at a goddess meeting. We were sitting at the same table. He was at our table. Um, we were at the art club, right? So nice. He was a good guy, nice man. And he's been fighting this media battle longer than I think anybody has. Yeah, he's, he's done a good job over the years. So we're going to be talking to Brent Bozell, Unmasked, Big Media's War Against Trump. After that, we're going to be talking boxing with Jerry Cooney. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Amelia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646. Or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia once again call 888-943-2646 and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement frank melia nmls number 62591 all loans provided by quantic bank nmls number 403503 we all know someone who's been touched by cancer it's the second leading cause of death and it took the life of my father john wayne But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. With me right now is Brent Bazell, who's got a book out on masks, Big Media's War Against Trump. Welcome to Connor's Corner, Brent. Thank you, Mike. It's good seeing you. Good hearing you. Now, let me ask you, what's your book about? I mean, we know what it's about, but what, what's the point of the book? Well, that's a good question. Why well, well, write a book about what everybody knows, except that when my colleague Tim Graham and I sat down to look at this, because the publisher, publisher had asked us to look at this, we were startled by with the initial research that we found when you put the story together. Going back to the beginning of 2015, um, I have never seen an agenda like this. No one has. Uh, in the history of the republic where um, you have a national news core that is deliberately attempting to undo the will of the people uh, in, the, in a merciless and so often dishonest campaign to destroy a president. And you don't have to be pro or anti-Trump to appreciate that this is very dangerous to, in a democratic society. Why do you think it's right now? I mean, we, we joke about the Trump derangement syndrome. I mean, we're old enough to remember Richard Nixon and the hatred that the press had of Richard Nixon, but it's, it wasn't nearly as bad as it is now. Well, I think there are three things going on uh, that, that, are, that are causing you know, um, a kind of a, a perfect storm. 
The first one is what it was that Trump represented, which was a, a direct threat to the Obama legacy. Um, and this was, this was not just a legacy of transformation that, that Obama had promised, and I think in many ways succeeded with, but it included having his heir apparent, which was Hillary, the first woman, who was going to continue and solidify this. The second one was a factor in this, is that they despised Donald Trump, and they despised him personally. He's someone who they found to be a gadfly, uh, but but they created him by 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 uh, by his Hollywood career, and they believed as they saw him get more and more powerful that they had created a monster. Um, and so that was a, a driving force. And then the third one was he declared a war on them. No, no presidential candidate has ever declared war on them the way he did. With Nixon, it was kind of a private war that he had. And with, you know, Agnew was his hitman. But with Trump, it was a presidential candidate who not only attacked war on them, but he made it the centerpiece of his campaign. So put those three things together and you have the perfect perfect storm. Give me an example or your best example of the media's war against Trump, the most outrageous. Well, there's so many. There's so many examples. But let me give, let me give you one. In, in, the, in the area of fake news, I don't like fake news as a term because uh, news isn't all fake. You've got bias, which has been the traditional problem, the bias by omission, where a reporter uh, twists a story to fit into his personal worldview, and there are 100,000 examples of that. There's the bias by omission, which is more serious, which is a news media not reporting a story. It just doesn't want to be discussed. And you know, on the, on the conservative horizon, there are all manner of issues where the media on a regular basis just ignore the conservative perspective. Then you have the set, and the next layer down is false news. False news is not is, is reporting something you don't know is not true, um, and that can be reckless. That can be um, uh, just not good journalism, but it's not something where it's deliberate to hurt. The third level is fake news. We have a we have a chapter devoted to fake news, where you we show example after example, and this is what I didn't expect to find: example after example of reporters deliberately twisting a story or making up a story in order to hear hurt uh, to hurt Trump. I will give you one example: Brian Ross of ABC breathlessly reports. I think this was in January or February of 2017 how Donald Trump had sent Michael Flynn to Russia to meet with the Russians. And this was definitive evidence of collusion. What happened? The market dropped 300 points. Billions of dollars were lost uh, on the market that day. And then suddenly the truth came out. And the truth was that, yes, he had sent Flynn to Russia, but he sent him after the, after the election, when it was not only legal and ethical, it was necessary as his national security designee to do that and expected that he would do that. So what happened, Brian Ross was suspended, um, and he was, and ABC apologized, and he subsequently resigned um, in disgrace. But the damage was done. He had hurt the president, just advanced the whole collusion narrative. And it continues. And by the way, where that collusion narrative is concerned, notice how they have pressed the metal to the floor ever since Robert Mueller came out and said there was no collusion. They're just not going to accept it. What do you think is going to be the end result on that? I mean, impeachment, is that going to happen? Uh, well, yes, it is going to happen. Um, I, I think he will be impeached. Look, the radical left controls the Democratic Party. Um, this is a radical left that, that is so radical, it's making 
Bernie Sanders sound modest in comparison. These these are so weaponized. We we write in our book about how we we looked at this uh, before uh, the the Mueller investigation was concluded. We we projected what was going to happen, which was that no matter what the result, the the, the left was going to push for impeachment, and we showed all the different. Um, investigations that were going were going to take place, and you're watching them one by one. We we were we were accurate in our predictions, but we also showed how the leadership of the Democratic Party was against this and continues to be against this because they know of the potential for a disaster for the Democratic Party if they overplay their hand, which are, which the odds are that they will. Um, so you've got everyone from Pelosi to Schumer to Biden um, and on and on all saying this is not a good idea. But the radicals are so um, uh, weaponized. Uh, they are so committed um, and they are so much in control that you're now saying Nancy Pelosi talking about impeachment. I don't think she can stop them. I think they're going to go forward. I think the party will vote as one because they have to, and they've got the numbers. They'll impeach. It'll go nowhere in the Senate, but they will impeach. And the impeachment will take place before the election. Or are they going to try to stretch it out to the election? Uh, you know, that's a very good question. I think they're going to try to stretch it out as far as they can. Look, they know they can't get it through in the Senate, so why even try? Um, the the best, if I if I were advising them, and I'm sure they're getting plenty of advice, uh, advice on this level, would be to drag it to the eve of it to make this such a negative pall over the head of Donald Trump that it doesn't give him an opportunity to uh, to turn it back on them the way that Bill Clinton was able had the time and was able to turn it back on the Republicans. And in fact, it, it turned into be a mini disaster, not the big disaster that the media have projected it to be. But I think it was on uh, ended up being a negative, uh, ironically, um, by Bill by Bill Clinton. Um, it, it remains to be seen where this one's going to go ultimately. But I think that's the smartest play. Drag it out to the very end and make it almost like an October surprise. Now, let me ask you something. What effect is the war against Trump? How effective is it with the general public? Well, you've got, you know, you've never seen a more polarized electorate in history. Um, and, and the polling data are showing that he is uh, overwhelmingly the number one issue in a campaign. It's not, it's, there's no policy issue. It's not taxes. It's not the economy. It's not foreign policy. You know, all these things are uh, uh, massively important. But um, I saw a poll today, and I cannot recall the numbers, but overwhelmingly the number one issue is Trump. Um, and that is driven by a, um, a, a strong um, contingent of the American people that despise him, um, and 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 this this uh, hatred has been fueled by by the media. I mean, this this is something else that unmasked uh, will will document with 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 absolute accuracy. The front line of the Democratic Party is not Nancy Pelosi. It is not Joe Biden. It is not AOC. It's the national news media. And the way you can look at that very simply is that if you took the national news media out of the equation, the Democratic Party would have nothing. This, this is what's giving life and projecting forward the radical ideas that are in the Democratic Party because they're being projected, projected not only as moderate, but as honest and truthful when they're neither one. Somebody buys your book. What do you want them to get out of it, and what action do you want them to take? Well, the, the, the one thing that, I, that people need to understand is just what I said, how powerful the media are and what their agenda is and what, what might be accomplished by them long term. Uh, I, I don't know where, where this one goes. Uh, I have been asked by people, what, what, I, do, what do I believe about um, the, the potential for the news media to regain their credibility? 
And the answer is I don't. I, I think there, the, the, this, as we say in the book, this is a story about a media uh, that destroyed, that tried to destroy Donald Trump and destroyed themselves instead. I think that the the news media have forever lost their credibility. You'll never watch CNN again and believe it to be an objective network. Same thing for MSNBC. Look at the numbers for CNN. They were a few weeks ago. Their national audience was 571,000 people a night. Mike, to put that in perspective, that's two-tenths of 1% of the American people. Since then, it's dropped 200 to 529,000. Now, to put that number in perspective, there are more people who own pet chickens than you than watch CNN. There are more prostitutes in America than there are viewers of CNN. <laughs> That's how the thing, the wheels have come off that network. Uh, and, and this was because they couldn't stay within the guardrails of journalism. They, they, they became and still are such advocates for radicalism um, that, that, that since the collusion, ironically, since the collusion report came out, the audiences for uh, CNN and MSNBC uh, have started uh, vaporizing. And it's, be, it's because people who are watching those networks are just saying, guys, it's over. The story's over. The, 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 the collusion doesn't exist. And yet night after night after night, Rachel Maddow, you won't leave it alone. Don Lemon, you won't leave it alone. Uh, Chris Cuomo, you won't leave it alone. Chris Matthews, you won't leave it alone. And they're just, people are just done with it. And they're walking away with it. I don't know how the media regain their, their uh, uh, credibility. Now that, Mike, is long-term. Short-term, we're talking a very different story. When you're looking at the elections, I think you're looking at one of two possibilities. Either the media, through their consistent hammering, will have done the kind of damage to Donald Trump that they cost him two or three ticks on the voting scale. And that two or three percent is all that you need in an, in a, an election to tilt it to the Democrat. Or conversely, they will so embolden Donald Trump's base to go out and vote because the media are so roundly despised by his supporters that they cause one or two or three points in his favor. Either way, Mike, the media will decide the next election. Well, let's hope, let's hope we have a same president a couple of years from now. Otherwise, we're in trouble. <laughs> But that's, not, that's, where, that, that's where it is. Brent Bozell, the name of the book, Unmask, Big Media's War Against Trump. Thank you for being on Connor's Corner. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. The pro-life movement is winning. One of the signs of progress is the growing mountain of medical evidence that abortion harms women, men, and families. Even researchers who identify themselves as pro-choice are coming to this conclusion and publishing their research. Abortion advocates try to hide and bury this information. But so much of it continues to come out that their efforts to hide it will not succeed much longer. Abortion really destroys itself. The more it continues, the more it reveals itself as an enemy of the human family. Those who advocate abortion say they care about women's health. But if they do, then they will have no honest rationale for ignoring the harm that abortion does. 
As the mountain of medical evidence against abortion grows, so should our hope that it will end. This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. With me right now is Jerry Cooney, famous boxer. He's got a book out, Gentleman Jerry, a contender in the ring, a champion in recovery. Welcome to Connors Corner. Hey, thanks for having me on today, guys. It's great, uh, great show, and I'm, I'm excited about the book and, and about life in general. Okay, now, just before we got on, I mentioned the fact my father was a big fan of yours because he knew that your grandparents were from Newfoundland and his parents were from Newfoundland. So that was something. It is a good thing. (laughs) Yes. So and when did your father pass and mom pass? In the late 80s, 90s. Okay. Yeah. So my my, my father's folks, too. So, uh, yeah, it uh, it was a difficult time. We never got a chance to go. We never got a chance to get there because, uh, um, you know, uh, family couldn't get together. So we, we planned a trip a couple of years ago back to Newfoundland, St. John's, and we wound up having to cancel. And so we're going to plan to go next year. I heard you're going to make plan of going, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm planning to go to Newfoundland July 2020. So see what happens. All right. Well, what, maybe we'll. What's your book? we'll run into each other. Maybe. What's your book about? Obviously about your boxing career, but I know it's a lot more than that. Yeah. My book is about the long road. Uh, great, growing up in, a, in an Irish Catholic family with my father, who was an amazing drinker, and unfortunately took a lot of that on his kids. And uh expressed how angry we felt what was going on, and they put a picture in the paper. So it made me somebody that allowed me to uh, to continue to fight. And uh and, and fight I did for a lot of years. I mean, I won the state championships. I got invited to the finals of the Olympic trials. Uh, I um, had some great fights in the pros. And uh, all trying to become, you know, I learned a lot of negative stuff growing up. I was no good. I was a failure. I was not going to mount anything. Don't trust nobody. And all my life, that those ghosts hid in my back, back of my head. And I was continually trying to prove them wrong, prove them wrong. And, and, uh, but as it turned out, you know, my father also put in me the will to become number one in the world and to fight Larry Holmes for the heavyweight championship of the world. So it's a great story about the good days, the bad days, and the good days and how we make it out and you turn the page and get on with your life. And, uh, and well, I have a great life today. Uh, I'm on the radio with you talking about my book. <laughs> All right. Now, let me ask you something. How did you get involved in boxing? You know, boxing, my brother left the house when he was 15. Um, and uh, so he started going to a gym when he was about 18 years old. And I used to go two days a week to meet him, hang out with him at the gym. And I started hitting a heavy bag. I liked it. And then I put the gloves on. And uh, I remember the first day I boxed with some guy who had, who had about five years experience. He kind of knocked me around the, knocked me around the, the, the ring. And I, you know, I, I, I went home, said, so forget it. I threw the gloves off. But I hit the bag realizing that somebody was going to come at me. And then I went back to the gym three days later. I asked if I could box that kid again. And the kid could never do that to me again. So, you know, six months later, I went in and won the state championships as a middleweight. Uh, and uh, boxing was my uh, my ticket. Let me ask you something. When you were, you know, fighting the, the, in the pros, what was your height and weight? Well, when I first turned pro, I was six foot six or six foot seven, 200 pounds, 197 pounds. I built up to 230 pounds. Uh, over time, and uh, you know it was a great process for me because I signed uh, I signed a contract with um, two guys that were managing Howard Davis, so I got a lot of exposure being on his cards all the time as a stablemate, and uh, and that's how I got my start. And I traveled all around the country, uh, a lot of different fighters, met a lot of people, enjoyed life, and 
and I was working on my talent and, and, and getting better and better because I wanted to become heavyweight champ of the world. Now, just for the younger people in the audience and the people who don't follow boxing, how close did you become heavyweight champion of the world? I was ranked number one in the world in 1980, and I waited around to get a shot with Kenny Norton. I fought Kenny Norton in the garden uh, May 11th, 1981, and I knocked him out in 54 seconds of the first round. And then that gave me the opportunity to fight Larry Holmes for the heavyweight championship of the world. And uh, so I went into training, and, you know, long, long and short of it is that I trained hard, but I also partied hard. And uh, I think it was a lot of fear based, not, not believing in myself, don't think I should be able to be there. And I kind of sabotaged myself in my training camp. And 13 months later, I fought Larry Holmes. And we, though we had a great fight, we went 13 rounds. Back then, we used to fight 15 rounds. And I got stopped in the 13th round. And, you know, the, the wheels started spinning. And, you know, I had to get back on track again. And what happened after the Holmes fight? You know, I bounced around. I, I, you know, I made a lot of money that night. We made $10 million that night in that fight. And, you know, I couldn't stay. My managers couldn't stand each other. I was in the middle all the time. Don King, you know, the, brought the racism out. Uh, the white guy, the, the white hope and all that stuff. And there was a lot of prejudice going on. And I kind of walked away from the game. And um, I started drinking more heavily. And then when I get scared a little bit, I take another fight and then I fight and get in shape and, and go and win and knock the guy out and then come back again. And the same thing happened to me. So it wasn't until 19, um, 1990 that I kind of, well, actually 1988, I put down the alcohol and got into a, into straightening myself out, got my life back on track. And I fought uh, George Foreman in 1990. And uh, although I was in great shape, uh, I got stopped in the second round, and it, it finally enabled me to turn the pages and get on with my life. And and it's been a, a wonderful life from when I was a kid to now. How did you overcome your problems with alcohol? Well, you know, I just realized that you know it wasn't working for me anymore. Uh, like most alcoholics that never really find the help, and I I just decided to put it down one day. And, uh, and and I put it down April 21st, 1988. As a matter of fact, I just celebrated 31 years without having to drink. Congratulations. Yeah, and, uh, and it's been a great life. I have a great family, got three beautiful kids, and we're going to be coming back up to uh, Tanufi in, <laughs> in the next couple of years and, uh, and check it out up there. Okay. After boxing, after you were finished with your boxing career, did you have enough money that you, did you have to work or did, did you lose the money or, or how were you set after you tired? No, no, no. I see, you know, one thing, you know, I realized it was going to be a rainy day, right? So I held on to my money. I kept my money. I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't a big spender and, um, and I, I was financially secure all my life. I'm 62. I'm on Sirius XM radio uh, every Monday, every Friday. I have my own boxing gym. Uh, I mean, I just wrote, came out with a book. My book is coming. It came out last week. Uh, great book, uh, Gentleman Jerry. I got a movie in, in, in the works, a Rocky film about my life. And so I've, I've been very fortunate. And I, I love people. I've been all around the world. I've met millions and millions of people. And I'm still meeting tons of people. And listen, we're we're very blessed to. Uh, I'm very blessed to be uh, in the shape I'm in and doing the things that I'm doing. Right after you retired, what did you do for a living? What, what how did how did you live? Well, I, I didn't have to work. I mean, I, yeah, like as, as I told you, in 1982, I I fought Larry Holmes for you know it actually it turned out to be an eight and a half million dollar payday for me, and uh, I saved my money. I lived on interest. And I kind of had a place on, out on the beach, went out to the beach and had to kind of try and find myself because I was very confused and angry and how my upbringing was and what went on in my house and my brothers and sisters and had to kind of start to grow up a little bit. And, uh, and that was right after the time I kind of put down the alcohol and got sober and uh, I started to grow up and um, I got back into boxing a little bit. I used to go to the downtown athletic club a couple of days a week. And I uh, trained a bunch of guys, and and one thing led to another, and I found a love for boxing again. And so now I have my own gym, and I'm training, you know, kids and adults, and 
I, what my real passion is, is to train some pros because I have a great skill that my trainer passed on to me and I want to give it to somebody and take them past the point where I got to. You know, I kind of slipped up after I knocked out Kenny Norton and realized looking back that that's when the night my career ended because I started partying and I lost focus. So I would love to get the opportunity to train a kid to that place and then tell him, hey, stick with me, kid. Let's stay focused and let's get to the championship. Okay, now you have a boxing academy in, in New Jersey. Whereabouts? It's in Scotch Plains, New Jersey on Route 22 West. It's a great place. It's got MMA, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, CrossFit, and boxing. And um, I'm also on Sirius XM Channel 156 every Monday, every Friday, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So things are pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm busy. I love life. I love boxing. And it's a gift that I get a chance to still work in boxing. And uh, so I'm really blessed. What, what would you tell a young kid today who's interested in boxing to going professional? What advice would you give they, him? I would tell him to find, go, go to a gym, find a trainer that's teaching defense first in, in, in balance. I would probably tell him to come and see me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you got to get a good teacher that's going to teach you how to protect yourself, defend yourself, and to be most effective uh, with your punches. And, and understand that you got to save, you know, you know, you got to save your money. Don't be throwing it away. Most fighters, 99% of fighters today end up broke because they think it's never going to end. But unfortunately, it does end. And then now they're in 30, 35 years old, and they got a lot of problems, and they don't have anything to fall back on. Were you just lucky, or you just had a, a good attitude on spending money? You know what? I just knew that, you know, life was hard, and, you know, I, I made my money. It was hard fighting four or five boxing guys every day, sparring partners and getting in shape. And, and I, I knew that one day it was going to be over. And so I protected myself and didn't, wasn't a big spender. And back then when I was uh, ranked number one in the world and leading up to it, I couldn't spend my money. People were, people were uh, very gracious with me and, and I, you know, we had a nice life. So um, I saved my money. I looked out for myself, took care of my family and my brothers and sisters and my mother. And my father had passed in 1976. And so um, one of the lucky ones. What if somebody, if we buy your book, look at your book, what are we going to learn from it? Why should we buy your book? We're going to learn how great life is and how we, we're going to have a passion for life. And we're going to get help to become the best we can. And we're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall down. And when, just because we fall down, that doesn't mean we have to stay down. The fourth is we have to get up, dust off our pants, and move on and continue to grow and understand that life is here for a minute. You know, I was, I was 18 yesterday. I'm 62 years old now. And, man, it went fast. And, uh, and that's my message, that to, to love yourself, love your life, and work hard to become whatever it is you want to do and find the information, go to school. You know, ask for help and to grow up. All right. Well, listen, good luck with your book. Now, where if, if somebody wants to get to the Boxing Academy, where is that? It's in Scotch Plains, New Jersey. It's on Route 22 West. Um, it's 2507. And um, you can make a phone call to uh, Yeti or Jerry Cooney Boxing and, and, and get me on the phone. Okay, the name of the book, Gentleman Jerry, A Contender in the Ring, A Champion in Recovery. Jerry, thank you for joining us on Connor's Corner. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, hope to speak to you soon. Thank uh, you, guys. Okay, very there. good. See you in Newfoundland in 2020. I'm with you, baby. All right. See ya. Now, Mel, I know you were, you're interested in boxing and everything else. Did you know that Jerry Cooney saved all his money from that Larry Holmes fight? I, I I'm very surprised to hear that now. Um, a lot of a lot of the famous, you know, athletes I've heard about, they probably just burn it all down to the ground. Now, you know, especially from from a boxing standpoint, it's 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 really good, you know, big news to me. He saved all that money. Well, yeah, our newfie's cheap. Not, not necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to ask him questions about boxing. Get that out. Okay. You, okay. Then never mind the newfie thing. Okay. Now, Mel. <laughs> yes, ma'am. What you tell us? What you are as a boxer? Are you a lefty? Are you a righty? I, I'm an orthodox guy. I, I'm a righty. 
I, I do a lot of straights and hooks. But, you know, the, it's being able to throw the punches is one thing. You know, being able to accept the hits is another thing. <laughs> I think that's, <laughs> that, that propelled the decision between, you know, the choice between law school and the boxing <laughs> ring for me. And you, you, it's you, a different, you, you get beat up in different ways when yes. you're a lawyer. <laughs> that's well, a different me, one. What, what, what weight category were you in? Um, I think featherweight at that time, yeah. Okay. Light. Okay. Yeah. Was that high school, college? College. College. Very nice. <laughs> Let's see. We we've known a lot of cool pugilists. <laughs> you know, Mike, um Harry Foy. But that's another conversation. Yeah, well he's dead, you know, a hundred years almost. Actually, yeah. But about ninety years right that's, now. Uh, that's right. Now again, we didn't speak as much about estate planning and elder laws we do on some shows, but don't forget that we have our seminars at the the end of the month, July thirtieth, July thirty first, August first, in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn, downtown Brooklyn, and Bay Ridge at the Greenhouse Cafe. You know, if you have any questions, Chris Cordani, where do they email us a question? Ask Mike Connors at gmail dot com. The email once again: ask Mike Connors at gmail dot com. And again, you know, like Facebook, where where does somebody like us on Facebook, and why would somebody want to like us on Facebook? A lot of reasons to like us on Facebook. Of course, you can hear this show again, find out where you can find our podcast and maybe some of the classic interviews, see where the seminars are, and a lot more. Where and how? We're on Facebook. The page is Ask the Lawyer with Mike <laughs> Connors. That should be a good one. Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. And uh, hit the little like button, and you like the page. Good thing you're here, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, Beth, you said they took down our youtube interview with steve forbes oh yeah chris you know who took that down talking about people taking things off youtube and facebook and everything remember they that was it facebook that took down our steve forbes what happened was facebook took down some posts about the steve forbes interview they had something to do with the algorithm but we did have to fight to get them back on it's it's amazing what's going on over there. I'm not sure they know what they're doing. Maybe they got scared of the word Forbes. Who knows? Just, it's a shame because we're ta- it's not like we're doing we're talking. He was talking about toy soldiers. And I mean, that's just so silly. Uh, maybe they triggered somebody. We did. <laughs> Evidently, it was that military miniatures. We're going to have to watch out. That's right. The soldiers are going to get us in trouble, Mr. Connors. Yeah. Well, in any event, we've I think we've got to start wrapping up this week's show. Again, hey, if somebody's out there, you own some property in the Philippines, why don't you give Mel a call at Connors & Sullivan? <laughs> right. Please do. Please do. Just give us a call, 718-238-6500. I'm always in Brooklyn office, but I can get to you anywhere. In Staten Island, Manhattan, Bayside, Middle Village office. Very good. Okay. See you next week. See you next Bye-bye. week. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. The voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this soul away. We are gathered. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. The voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this soul away. For our Ask the Lawyer friends and listeners, you can attend any of Connors & Sullivan's free seminars on elder law, Medicaid, wills, and estate planning, and more. Yes, it's all free and all close to you. So come to Connors & Sullivan's free seminars. On Tuesday, July 30th at the Greenhouse Cafe, 7717 3rd Avenue in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m. On Wednesday, July 31st at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. at the New York Marriott at the Brooklyn Bridge, 333 Adams Street, downtown Brooklyn, and on Thursday, August August 1st at Buckley's, 2926 Avenue S in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn at 11 a.m., 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. Can't go to any Connors & Sullivan's free seminars? Then call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500 for your own free office appointment. Make an educated decision on your estate and family legal solutions today. Call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500 or go to connorsandsullivan.com. Plan now for later. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC.